This morning, we have a special guest, as you can see, uh, Marcus Clark. Welcome. He's uh, currently our Vesper artist in residence. Um, and he is real, so he is here. I know we've talked about, we've been talking about him for a, a long time now. Um, but before we get to our conversation, um, I do want to offer some context uh, just for how we got to this moment uh, where you're up here with us now. Um, so I've shared this before, but you know, Vox has gone through a ton of transition uh, over the last few years. Um, you know, staff transitions where we now have a completely new uh, pastoral team and new staff team, uh, a pandemic that has impacted our community uh, pre and post pandemic, uh, the shifting of our social rhythms and what we're comfortable with, you know, whether it's uh, what we do or don't find value in gathering and participating. And in the past couple of months, um, our teaching team has explained what it means for our community uh, to practice and embody a posture of non-hierarchy. And so if you didn't get a chance to hear it or you missed some of the weeks, I highly encourage you to go back uh, and check those out. Uh, our teaching team, uh, each of them shared some really personal uh, and vulnerable experiences and, and stories and hopes for what it means to really embody nine hierarchy here in this community. Um, and so the image that's you know, been in my mind recently uh, when I reflect on where we are as a community is that we've essentially undergone um, just a renovation. Like everything's been torn down to the studs. Uh, we've even had to do some repairs to our foundation. And it's really now in this space uh, having a full team now, having kind of this community regathered, that we're able to kind of rebuild, right? And just putting back the walls and the drywall and the electrical and the plumbing, putting those things back up. And a lot of those things that are still valuable and dear to us, we want those to be embedded in who we are as a community. And at the same time, there's things that we want to express uh, differently and in a new way. Uh, but one of those things that we want to remain embedded in our community is our value of artistry. And you know, ever since we started Vox, um, we intentionally wanted to en engage the creative community here in the city, here in our community, each of us as individuals, as we've all been created in the image of God. And this is how we articulate our value of artistry. We are a community of makers. We live into God's resemblance of artistry that was envisioned in the garden. The ultimate act of creativity is God's redemption of the world back to its original vision. We're invited by the gardener to garden again. The narrative that some people are creative and some are not is false. We are all artists, makers, and creators made in the image of God. And so one of the walls that we're hoping uh, to rebuild and put back up and restore is around our expression and practice of creativity and artistry. And so which brings me to Marcus. And so Marcus, I think you reached out to Vesper uh, pre-pandemic, right? Um, why don't you tell us a little bit about how, how did you even find Vesper? Yeah, thank you, Waylon. Um, yeah, I'm really excited to be here. Um, yeah, this community has done so much for um, the arts, and I feel like I've been a huge benefactor of that. Um, yeah, before the pandemic, I reached out to Lena, and I was like, hey, 
I have this art show idea. Um, it's this huge LED wall that I'm going to rent for a night, and hopefully we can put it up in a space. Um, I can't find anywhere that's willing to do this, uh, and is crazy enough to take me up on this vision. And she's like, "Yeah, we'll we'll do it." Um, <laughs> uh, and so with that, I had my first uh, solo show called Zion's Window. I think there's a slide of yeah. Um, so it was a big LED wall um, inside of a Roman uh, or sorry, a, a Gothic arch uh, that. I created, um, and it was a 30-minute video loop of all these different uh, scenes, whether it was literal video or some abstracted computer graphic I made. So, mm. And you literally just Googled, right? Yeah, I Googled free places to show art in Austin. <laughs> <laughs> and we popped up. <laughs> um, and then a couple of years ago, when we were in lockdown uh, for the pandemic, uh, you had an idea for a Holy Week installation, right? Why don't you tell us a little bit about that? Yeah, um, and that was a really special project because I reached out to y'all um, just to do a different project and then the ship kind of got steered towards doing a Holy Week uh, installation where um, the piece that I ended up making was in conversation with a lot of work from this community. Um, yeah, this is the installation behind me. It's called Tierra Luz, um, which is Spanish for earth light. Um, and it was um, basically a platform of dirt that you could walk on and to either side of it um, is um, this light chamber. Um, and it was a really cool experience. I was really taken aback by how people's reactions to it were. Like multiple people uh, ended up kneeling uh, in the middle of Tierra Luz, which was really interesting and just having a contemplative moment. Um, uh, and I made this out desire to create contemplative space, but whenever that actually gets activated, that was really special for me. Yeah, and it really was. I mean, that was, it was in the middle of lockdown. So that was really the first time, I think in a year, that a lot of our community had actually stepped back in the building and we were safe, so it was just like one person at a time, essentially. Um, but it was so meaningful, it was really powerful. I think people just found this to be a contemplative expression, given all the, the just the, the loss and the grief and the challenges the pandemic had, had put on us. Um, and then a couple of years later, which brings us to now, um, Vox was gifted a, a very generous donation uh, to use towards creative ministry. Um, and different opportunities that we might not have been able to do. And so Lena, our former uh, Vesper coordinator, she had this idea and suggested that we reach back out to, uh, to Marcus to ask if he would be interested in becoming uh, our artist in residence. And uh, so we chatted with you about it and you said yes, and here we are. So, um, so as we get to know you better, maybe you can just describe uh, your art uh, or just kind of the type of artist that you are? Yeah, absolutely. Um, so I have two bodies of work. I'm sure if you saw Tierra Luz at some point uh, and then you see the art that I have on the wall right now, you probably thought there were two different artists. Um, uh, I have one body of work that I do that involves um, light, and that was the piece that you saw um, on the screen. And um, Another body of work that uses a lot of representational uh, modes, whether it be icons or scripture. Um, and so through the work that I do with light, I'm thinking about spirituality and theology, but in more uh, implicit ways. Not that one yet. Um, <laughs> the spoiler. Um, I, I think about it through more implicit ways. Um, whereas whenever I play with um, like icons of Jesus or... Um, scripture or the Bible, um, the theology I'm playing with is more explicit. 
Um, you know, recently I was at a conference where Krista Tippett was, and so I kind of have to ask this question in honor of her, because she always asks this question. Uh, but how would you describe sort of the spiritual or religious upbringing of your childhood? Or if you don't have to answer that specifically, but just what does the journey kind of of your faith journey look like for you? Yeah, um, I grew up as a kid who was really, um, like the idea of God wasn't hard for me to grasp. I really loved the idea of God. I had a huge imagination, um, and so I always had imaginary friends. So the idea of um, a figure that created us that we can't see wasn't hard for me to grasp. Uh, but I grew up in a small conservative Texas town. I'm sure a lot of us have <laughs> similar upbringings. Uh, to where uh, when I was in middle school and high school, um, a lot of ministries that I was around was saying that um, Christianity was um, about a moral agenda and about a political agenda um, and just who I am and my makeup, I was immediately just detracted from that. Um, and I remember um, being at the lunch table, it was the day of the Romney-Obama election, and um, there was just a really feisty conversation with um, yeah, with some uh, friends who had opposing political views who were Christians, and I remember what they said was so hateful that um, that moment I was like, I just, I don't think I can do this Christianity thing. I don't think I believe in God, um, if that's the God that they're talking about. So, um, did not walk in faith for a good year, year and a half, um, but then ended up going on a mission trip with the church that I went to because my friends went there, and the pizza that they served every night was effective in getting me there. Um, <laughs> that works. Yeah. Um, and on that mission trip, which was um, on an Indian uh, Native American reservation in South Dakota, um, every touch point of that weekend was about God's unconditional love. Um, and I don't think I had ever heard that before, that God's love was unconditional, um, that God's love, um, like he is love. And um, yeah, the fact that God equals love in First John 4.16, um, that God and love are inseparable. Um, and my experiences of God up to that point that didn't include love were actually not experiences of God. And experiences of love that don't have God um, aren't fully realized. So... Mm. Hmm. That's a really powerful uh, reflection to kind of gather and you, on a mission trip. And I know many of us, myself included, have had challenging sort of reflections on what missions are and just kind of the colonizing aspect of it. And at the same time, there are some impactful things that, you know, that God kind of reveals as well. Um, and then how, how would that translate kind of your, to your journey as an artist? Like, what, 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 what has that path looked like for you? Yeah, um, I... I, again, I grew up as a kid with a big imagination, and my mom was actually an art teacher, um, but I was so bad at drawing the things that art teachers wanted me to draw, like still lives of apples. Um, uh, I remember like an art contest where I thought my giraffe was the coolest, and it didn't win a prize, and I cried um, in the fourth grade. <laughs> um, but the time that the Lord was really... Um, getting to me, um, this was middle high school, um, was also the time that in art class we started learning about conceptual art. Um, and so those just quickly and easily married together for me, um, that art could be an expression of ideas instead of having to be this high craft, high merit um, thing that gets created. And so then how would you describe kind of like your interaction with art and faith um, and how that's maybe changed over the years. So like when you reflect on some of your past or maybe original work 
and then kind of where you are now, like how, how, would, you, how would you describe that? Yeah, um, the slide that got teased earlier, um, this was one of the first paintings I did after I came back from that mission trip. Um, it's very Lifeway Christian store-esque. Um, Such a great um, description. I, I feel embarrassed by it. Um, we had to do in art class projects that, uh, like just Western art projects, that's all it had to be so we could enter them into the San Antonio Rodeo contest. Um, and so my negotiation was making this mountain that has a cross piercing through it, but also a cowboy and him leading his son to the cross. <laughs> um, I feel like you could find this at a Bucky's, honestly. <laughs> I, think, I think I saw one for sale at Bucky's. <laughs> but like the theology I was working out in this um, as such a new believer who um, is uh, just trying to comprehend God's love and God's tenderness um, is really at work in this. And even though this is a totally embarrassing piece to show you guys. <laughs> Uh, like the theology that I was thinking through when making this piece um, isn't something I would take back. Like I wouldn't take back this exploration and this like thinking while making that I made uh, with this piece. Um, but visually and conceptually and theologically is very different than the pieces that I have on the walls around here right now. And then could you speak more about, I think you, you had some reflection on the Zion's window piece too, just like, because that was more recent. Mm -hmm. Yeah, Zion's window, and honestly, most of the art I make, um, I have like a six-month loathing period with it. Um, uh, and uh, honestly, like whenever I make something, it's hard for me to um, like feel like I'm having big breakthroughs while I'm making it. Um, and so what I love about art, and it's something that we can all engage in, is that um, it's really the conversations that I have around pieces that I find really fruitful, um, that I get to come up with um, new thoughts when I talk to people um, around this object. Yeah, that's super helpful to hear. Um, you know, we heard the, the text earlier um, that Tracy read for us, but in the creation story that kicks off uh, the book of Genesis, this is what we read. It says, when, when God began to create the heavens and the earth, the earth was complete chaos, and darkness covered the face of the deep, while a wind from God swept over the face of the waters, and then God said, let there be light, and there was light. And so from the beginning, you know, we see God's primary expression uh, is as creator, making something out of nothing, making beauty out of chaos, making light out of darkness, making humans out of dust. Uh, and in uh, Makoto Fujimuro's book, Art and Faith, he reflects on what he calls a theology of making, which I find really um, it's, it's good to reflect on, that his own experience of making and creating art, there's a, a connective engagement with the divine. So this is what he says. He says, the theology of making assumes that God created out of abundance and exuberance, and the universe and we exist because God loves to create. I experience God, my maker, in the studio. I am immersed in the art of creating, and have come to understand this dimension of life as the most profound way of grasping human experience and the nature of our existence in the world. Right? And so it's through God's abundance to create that we've been given our ability to also create and connect with the divine. Uh, and so I'm curious just to hear some of your experience of what uh, making has been for you. Yeah, um, like I just kind of alluded to earlier, um, yeah, making isn't some sort of like 
uber prophetic, uh, mystic space I enter into, um, I imagine it feels very similar to an accountant going in on Monday morning, um, where I, I have like a list of things to do and uh, like a job to make happen. Um, uh, and it is really the conversations that uh, feel rich, but I think there's also like a, a hallowing of vocations and all vocations. All vocations are creative in some sort of way, and we can engage with uh, God the creator in that sense, whether it's in a studio or um, in a lecture hall or um, accounting, yeah, whatever that may be. Yeah, and then you, you, know, you kind of alluded to this before as far as the conversation piece, like that's a pretty big value um, and meaning behind like creating art or even talking about art. Totally, yeah, yeah, I often also um, use art to think through conversations I've been having. For example, the pieces around here, uh, I've been thinking a lot about negative theology lately, or apophatic theology, which is um, talking about God through negations because God is uncomprehendable. And so, for example, the icons to the left, I start manipulating them and fragmenting them and destroying them and abstracting them um, to kind of get at the unrepresentability of God. Um, and then the ones um, to my right, your left, um, we have a um, Bible paper that I ripped up uh, <laughs> with a lot of timidity, but I still did it, <laughs> uh, and remade into paper. And then um, to the left are these blind embossed prints, which is a method of printmaking where you don't use any ink and you just use a lot of pressure in the print plate to make an imprint uh, into the paper. And it has repeated, really loaded uh, words um, like mercy or holy, um, but repeated so many times that you start to lose the word. Um, so in all these pieces, I'm thinking about how language or how image uh, like impacts our understanding of God. And that was something I was thinking through through one of my courses. Um, and uh, this was kind of me playing with how that can exist in an object. Um, and then that's kind of come to fruition of the conversations I've had after, too. Yeah, so you're, you're viewing the art as what... Um, draws kind of centers the conversation around uh, and you were you were reflecting to me uh, you recently were I think you taught something at class or a, a little workshop at Lady Lodge and you had an experience um, of a conversation around a piece that uh, one of some parents had, had created yeah um, I was at Lady Lodge the retreat center um, about a week ago um, and I was the artist there so I was helping run a workshop and we were making these little candle lanterns um, and uh, um, a couple came in and they wanted to make identical lanterns um, because they're parents um, <laughs> not because they're parents they were yeah, yeah that's parents. what all parents do identical, <laughs> we match in every way yeah um, so they made these like Houses that are identical, um, but not exactly house shape, is not exactly perpendicular going up. Um, and they wrote the Greek word vlepo uh, on the bottom, um, and vlepo means to see. And the reason they chose that word um, in their ideation process is because their son has a neurological condition um, that impacts the middle of his brain where the hemispheres connect, um, and it impacts his vision. But at the same time, it creates a lot of really unique and rich characteristics in their child. Um, and uh, the child is at a classical school, learning Greek, and Vlepo, 
uh, is ironically his favorite word, even though he has trouble um, seeing, he just goes around the house all day saying flepo, 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 um, just obsessed with the word. And so they already had this intention when making the art, but then whenever the pieces were done, they put it together, they realized that there is a little gap between um, where they can put these lanterns together. Um, and that became like this vis visual representation of um, the problem, or not the problem, it's not a problem, um, but the condition that their son has um, with the middle of his brainstem and how um, this just gotta really be a hallowing of um, their son and his existence. Yeah. And it sounds like when you have those conversations and through the creation of, of this art, there, there's actually something that's revealed and even healing in that process. Um, and I know you also uh, had reflected to me about kind of, I think Roar has, was on a podcast with um, uh, Brene Brown and kind of talking through uh, just a reflection of a, of a scripture passage. And you kind of received it in a way that's really impacted kind of how you were doing your art going forward. Yeah, um, so Richard Rohr on one of Brené Brown's um, podcasts said, or he mentioned um, this scripture, if you have it. Um, yeah, work out your salvation with fear and trembling, Philippians 2.12. Um, but he went into the etymology of the word salvation and how um, the root word salve uh, can relate to healing, um, like a healing balm, a healing salve. Um, and so you, there's an appropriate way to translate this quote as work out your healing with fear and trembling. Um, and that really got me thinking because that... That feels accurate whenever I'm thinking about art and the way that conversations around art uh, impact my life. Um, there gets to be a little healing of my ideas and my ways of viewing the world. And probably even healing, like just seeing your work up here and how we were kind of reflecting on, like there's a bit of like, it's almost profane what you're doing, and but that in itself is also healing to mm -hmm. kind of experience God in, in that way. Yeah, the, yeah, the, destroying or the profanity that I'm uh, playing with with these images. I, I grew up with a Catholic mom and so that part of me irks at playing with the icon and a Protestant father that irks at uh, <laughs> ripping of the scripture. Um, <laughs> um, so I'm playing with all this profane stuff but um, I think it's all with tenderness and trying to understand God more and I think if you approach um, being profane in that way I think I think God is okay with it. <laughs> I think God's big enough. Yeah. <laughs> um, if we look back at the end of, of Genesis 1, uh, we read about humanity being created in the image of God uh, and the goodness that we have all been created with. So in verse 26, we read, Then God said, Let us make humans in our image according to our likeness. And so God created humans in their image. In the image of God, God created them. And God saw everything that God had made, and indeed, it was very good. And so just, you know, another reminder that what God creates, how God creates, is very good. Uh, there's almost this acknowledgement and understanding that as we return to who we are, right, who God created us to be, it's actually an invitation for us to be reminded of God's goodness in all things. Uh, it really captures the fullness of God's creativity. And so maybe a final question to reflect on uh, with you is just like, how, how have you engaged with creation and creativity? You know, what, 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 how has creativity been reflected in how you approach art? Mm -hmm. Yeah, um, I think one thing that I think of um, 
with like the meta narrative of just everything that's going on um, with creativity is how we're invited into the restoration and reconciliation of all things. And um, uh, very rarely do I feel like that is actually, actually like an agent in my art, but that's actually agent in all of our lives in the ways that we're creating and co-creating with the Lord in all of our own spheres of influence. Yeah, and you, uh, I think you had a, you shared a story about uh, someone actually also at Lady, right, creating something that mm -hmm. they had kind of experience in, in how that played out, if you want to share. Yeah, there was another couple who were also making identical pieces. <laughs> um, it's a thing, I guess, yeah. Yeah, um, and uh, the husband who was making his piece, he... Uh, um, uh, he messed up on what their idea was because it needed to be identical. Um, and so he started over and chucked the piece of metal that he was bending to the side. And a couple minutes later, I came by, I'm like, wait, this actually looks really cool. This is really like a really unique shape. So I mounted it to the wood panel um, that had the bottom and it ended up looking like this weird boulder shape. Um, and everyone was like, whoa, it's so cool. I'm like, Guys, I literally did nothing. I just put it on the wood panel. Um, uh, and he ended up taking it home and seeing that it was um, something really beautiful. And I think um, uh, our creativity has the opportunity to do that, to open our eyes to what is beautiful. But I think there has to be um, an openness and a losing of yourself for that to happen. Um, uh, yeah, I, I also think of, um, recently I did an improv workshop and performing arts is not uh, my thing. And I went into it really nervous and really anxious and we got to this part where we did um, a bit where there's two people in the middle of the circle and everybody's watching you. And uh, you'll say freeze and you take one person's spot and you pick up acting wherever they froze at, like using just that position they froze at as the cue um, for uh, the bit. And so I uh, got ballsy and went up and uh, said freeze, entered the bit, and I felt like what I was doing was so clunky and so embarrassing, and I just wanted to be over so quickly. Um, but I was still in it and like actively engaging in this thing that was uncomfortable for me. And um, I finished and to my surprise, like people were applauding. And the next day um, people were like, that was really good. Like you should consider doing this more. Um, and so this area that I felt totally embarrassed and incapable around, which a lot of us feel around um, ways of being creative and whatever since that is. Um, and uh, you kind of have to put yourself out there. Um, and see what happens, yeah. And it's also, with improv, I realize that nobody's looking at you, too. Um, everybody is concerned with themselves, and so um, if that's any freedom to be creative. Yeah, yeah. no, that resonates, I think, when you shared that. I, I had shared with our, this community that uh, I had started taking hip-hop dance classes, and that was also, like, very freeing, because at first you're, like, so worried, but then it's like, no one's actually even looking. Like, just do what you want to do, so. So thank you for sharing that. Um, <laughs> But one thing uh, maybe we want to, I want to close with, like as you're talking about healing and restoration and it's like the art that's being created is, is in some ways it's reflecting back to whoever's made it and those that are observing it. Um, and it ends up shaping who we are. The things that we create end up shaping. And, and similar to what um, uh, Padre Gotuma reflects on this idea. And he kind of invites us to consider our own expressions of making and creating. Uh, and this is what he says. He says... As I think of poems as a made thing, I wonder who is making whom. Often I only discover what I'm feeling 
when what I write tells it back to me. The made thing makes me back. I know that others are the same. Artists of all kinds are made back by the art they make. And by artists, I mean all of us. Who isn't an artist? The human impulse is to create. A society, a friendship, a family, a sculpture, a meal, a container, a gallery, an experience, a sound or a song. What's something you made? And what did it make back in you? And I think that's uh, something for all of us to sit in, you know, this week. Um, just how does God shape us, heal us, restore us through what we create, which is really just an invitation to co-create with God. And so as we close this morning, uh, we want to highlight some upcoming opportunities that, that Marcus is helping facilitate and curate um, this coming year. Uh, so next month, you'll be curating uh, an Austin Studio tour. Gallery, if you want to share a little bit about that. Yeah, um, I'm really excited about this show. Um, it's called Ollie Ollie Oxen Free. Um, what's the subtitle? Religious Revealing in Contemporary Art. Um, so I was able to um, gather a group of artists from um, around the country and from Canada who are playing with religious um, icons or symbols or um, just things that are so um, prevalent in culture, but in a post-Christian culture, they've lost some of their meaning. And so these artists in their work are subverting these ideas um, and making you question, is the art acting sentimentally or critically, and can it do both at the same time? Um, so I'm really excited for that show. I think we put it up in two weeks, and it'll be up um, for Austin Studio Tours in a couple months after that, too. Yeah, and we have some postcards, I think, either at the coffee bar and, and on the stool if you want to grab one of those or share that. Um, and then the beginning of next year, um, you plan to extend this community in Open Call, if you want to share a little bit about that. Yeah, we're doing an open call called What's Your Voice? Um, we want to see the ways that this community um, expresses um, their creativity and um, their voice in different ways. And we want to be open to as many different forms of uh, mediums as we can uh, possibly uh, hold. Um, so that's open to visual art, to writing, potentially performance, uh, video art. There's um, any form of creating, we're trying to make space for that. Um, so we have a meeting after, um, if you're interested in that, um, with lunch provided. Uh, and then you have a teaser for yes. Easter? So, yeah, the, the lineup for the shows um, is Ollie Ollie Oxen Free until January. Take that down, put up the Vesper uh, show, um, the Vox show. And then around Easter, we'll take down that show and put up a new show with, um, it'll be a two-person show of some artists that I'm really excited about. And a lot of their imagery has to do with um, just flourishing. Um, they use a lot of garden imagery or... Um, uh, settings to invite people into community, whether it be a table or a chair. Um, so really good stuff there. So like Marcus said, if you're interested, even if you didn't register, we're going to have a lunch right after this. Uh, Harmon's also going to help facilitate that time and just for our artist community to connect um, and also do some planning around that, that spring show. Um, but thank you. Let's thank Marcus for being with us this morning. Thank you, guys. Um, And so let me offer this prayer uh, as we close. God, who is creator, 
maker and inspiration of every good thing. May we seek to reflect the image we have been created in and co-create with the one who makes beauty from chaos. Jesus, who embodied the creativity of God, telling stories and offering new ways to see God. May we have a new imagination and use new lenses in how we view the divine. And spirit, who sparks our soul, breathing into us the authenticity of who we are. May we have freedom to express ourselves and not be hindered by our own hesitations. So we ask all this in the love of God, our creator, the humanity of Christ, and the creativity of the spirit. Amen.